What does the word intentional mean to you? I ask it because it's the name of the show and I love hearing people's responses. Mm, man, intentional. Um, for me, it is um, thinking through where you are, where you should be going, and how you're going to get there, and taking the time to pause and think those things through in a, in a way, in a quiet space where you're not distracted by the, the day-to-day is, is kind of the, one of the best things you can do. Welcome to Intentional Growth, a show that teaches you as a business owner and entrepreneur to view and run your company like a financial asset, which will allow you to enjoy work, create wealth, and make an impact. This mindset will help you focus on building a more valuable business and give you the choices to grow, acquire, reinvest, or exit and live the life you plan for, all with intention. And now here's your host, Ryan Tansom. If you've ever wondered whether you should start a podcast for your business so you can enhance your sales and marketing, win more clients, grow your network, then today's episode is going to be one that you don't want to miss. I have John Corcoran on the show, and John has been podcasting for 12 years, and he's done over 1,500 interviews and released over 700 of them with some amazing guests that truly I want to get in touch with. Some of his guests include the CEO of Activision Blizzard, Lending Tree, Open Table, Peter Diamantes, Guy Kawasaki, Gary Vanderchuk, EO founder Vern Hardish, YPO president, and authors like Daniel Pink, Michael Port, and Adam Grant. John started his career as a speechwriter for the White House, and then he had his own law practice, and one of his clients asked him to do an interview with him, and then ended up asking for more work from John. So John's light bulb went off, and he decided to lean into this podcasting strategy to generate more business. He was preaching to everyone why everyone should do it, but he realized that there was a lot of hurdles for people launching their podcast. So he co-founded Rise25 with his partner, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, and they have a done-for-you podcasting agency where they help people get their 100 dream clients, the best guest interviews for their business, their business model, and the return on their products or services. That is absolutely crucial because podcasting can't be just some little thing that we do in the corner that we do every so often. It has to be part of our sales and marketing strategy with a specific intent to provide a return to introduce people that will enhance our business and our professional and personal life. So John's going to walk us through how that's possible, and what you should expect if you were to launch a B2B podcasting strategy. I hope everybody enjoys this and you'll get a peer into what I've been doing for the last eight years and why I think it's worth it, if it makes sense for you and your business. This episode is brought to you by Arcona's Fractional CFO Services. Arcona's Fractional CFOs integrate into your management team and assume the responsibility of the CFO. They become your strategic financial partner to help you run the business, create your value growth plan, and build the financial roadmap to the valuation you want to achieve. John, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm very excited for this conversation. As as I was just saying, I have uh, met uh, Jeremy through Tom Vranis, who is a dear friend of mine, and like the amount of mutual connections. And your whole stick is, you know, podcasting breeds your network and it explodes your network. And I'm shocking that we have a lot of people that we know in common. (laughs) Right. And uh, I'm just really excited, John, to get your take, man, because you've been podcasting a a decade now. Um, I started podcasting around 2010. Um, It was just like rudimentary, like interviewing people, recording it, uh, uploading it. And it really kind of like started more like 2011, 2012 kind of time frame. It could be like a real podcast. 
<laughs> which uh i like i'm thinking about the technology and the setup back then i i got a ton of uh rabbit holes we could go in to but like you know what i was thinking for this conversation man is love to, love to have conversations about what you've learned from interviewing so many people but then i think we can like weave the podcasting strategy throughout our whole conversation because i know that's what you guys do and i want to i want the uh, audience to know what your guys are up to because john i get over the last you know eight years people are like, hey how do you do the podcast I'm, like, I'm not in the business of podcasting i'm just doing it for my business and so yeah i can just direct people your direction but let's just start at the at the square one man like how in the heck in 2010 did you get into podcasting yeah and, and you know what we were like you for the first like five or six years where we just did it and we told everyone you should start a podcast it's amazing <laughs> it's great you can talk to all these people you can build relationships and no one would do it you know they would ask stupid questions or they'd be like eh, i'm not i don't know what to call it you know like that is not the thing that should stop you from doing it and um so we eventually got into the business of doing it but how did i start in 2010 you know, it literally just became, I started listening to other podcasts, some very early podcasts, you know, like Blogcast FM, which eventually Srini Rao eventually became uh, Unmistakable Creative. Um, you know, Pat Flynn was podcasting back then. There were some some early podcasts. My friend Jordan Harbinger, uh, Art of Charm was his podcast at the mm -hmm. time. So like I was listening to these podcasts and I just, it was popular, you know, these people I was following were start, going from starting a blog to starting a podcast. And so I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to start doing it. And I just started very limited, just started reaching out to people, inviting them to do an interview. I mean, I think I did some text-based interviews. I did articles. I wrote books. I did all these different things. Eventually, I figured out that podcast was the right combination of um, allowing me to focus on what I wanted to focus on and and um, not having to the things that you couldn't duplicate yourself. So you can't duplicate us like this conversation, mm -hmm. the two of us, right? No matter all the chat GBT in the world is not going to duplicate that. So I figured maximizing that with minimizing the amount of additional work that I had to do, like on the back end. So like I wrote for Forbes for a while, but the, that was a pain because yeah, I would open the door for anyone. But the problem was, is then I had to write these long articles. It was hard approval process, all that kind of stuff. And so I do maybe 10 of them throughout the year. With a podcast, you can do 50, 60, 70. And, and then it's really just this conversation. And then after, after you know, on the back end, you can have other people actually produce the episode for you, which is what we obviously mm -hmm. do now. So that's kind of how I got into it. Did, did you have a knack or passion for interviewing people? Because like I, I think like that's why I'm I'm curious because and maybe on top of this question, John is like, why do you think most people stop or don't I, do it? I, I definitely had an interest in it. So I was editor of my high school newspaper. I did radio in college. My father was a journalist. I joked that my mom actually is a better interviewer than my dad because even though my dad was a journalist and interviewed people for a living when I was growing up. My mom, whenever people came over to the house, my mom was better at asking questions and really delving into their background and stuff like that. So I observed that a lot uh, as well. And and so, yeah, I dabbled in, you know, high school journalism and, and a little bit of writing you know, for the newspaper in college and um, and doing radio and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I did. I liked people hearing people's stories. And also I'm Irish and the Irish are like kind of hardwired to like gather over a pint and exchange stories and i realize i just love that i love exchanging stories with people whether whether it's you know over a microphone over zoom or um doing it in person so i i definitely was drawn to it from the beginning 
which I, uh, very helpful. And I was reading your Forbes article, and maybe give the listeners a peer into that that first interview because I think that was an interesting way of like connecting the dots of like how you got into it because it was actually you were working. But then doing an interview, right? And then it kind yeah. of like translated into what you're doing now. Yeah. So one of the first people that I did an interview for was a client, a legal client. So I was practicing law as an attorney at the time. And he came to me for a tiny little matter. It wanted me to write a lease on a spare bedroom on his house. These days, you just throw it up on Airbnb, but that wasn't around back then. So <laughs> I wrote a lease in this spare bedroom. But I did some research on the guy, and I was like, wow, he's really interesting. He started businesses, gone public been a serial entrepreneur, just really interesting guy. And I was like, I'd love to have this guy as a long-term client. So kind of on a whim, I was just like, hey, can I interview you? Uh, I'll do it over, we'll record it over video Skype at the time. I did it and at the end of the conversation, he was like, hey, this was, you know, this was great, this was a lot of fun. Can you help me with some more projects? I got a couple other legal projects that you could do. And I was like, he was like light bulb moment. It was like, well, that works really well. I can keep on doing this over and over again. And I saw other people that were doing it. And so I've been doing it ever since. And it's just one of these things that whenever I think about quitting it, I realize that the alternative is so much harder and so much more difficult and, and more time consuming, like going to conferences, going to lunches, going to coffees with people, whatever you used in order to network and build relationships and connect with people. I found all those other things are just a lot harder to do than having a podcast. So uh, that's why I've continued doing it all this time. My guess is you don't think it's binary, though, podcasting or those things. Absolutely. You oh, you could definitely keep doing those things. I still go to conferences. You know, I'm going to an event in a week and a half. I'm going to, you know, another conference after that in Colorado. But I also have young kids at home. And so I want to limit the amount that I have to do that. I want to be selective about the times that I do that. And there are many times that I end up meeting people at a conference that I interviewed previously. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm a member of Entrepreneurs Organization. It's got 18,000 members worldwide. It's an amazing community. But two years ago, I hadn't been a member for very long, and I went to their conference in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I'm a new member. I'm feeling a little insecure. Who am I going to know here? Well, guess what? I knew a ton of people there. I knew the CEO of the organization. I knew the president of the board. I knew speakers. People were stopping me in the hallway because I had very deliberately – before I went to the conference, I'd interviewed a bunch of the different people that were members of that organization. So you actually get more out of a conference when you've used the po podcast beforehand, as well as after the fact, because, you know, you go to a conference, you meet a bunch of people, and what happens afterwards? Very little, right? You know, a lot of times you don't follow up with them. You got a no stack way. of these. And exactly. you're like, what, am I, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with these? <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and the the more successful, the busier people are, the less likely they're going to want to hop on a 15 minute get to know you call, right? You know, or a follow up call or something like that, unless there's a direct, you know, opportunity or something, or they want to, you know, to avail themselves of your services, which is not always the case. There's many times where, you know, the timing's not right or something like that, but you want to build a relationship with them. So the podcast is a great way for you to take someone that you've met in person and then continue that conversation. I like to say that, it, you know, a podcast is like an online tool that helps you to strengthen offline relationships. And you can also use offline activities in order to strengthen relationships you've established online using a podcast. So like you and I have never met face to face, but whenever we do, the next time we're in a city together, or a conference or something like that, we will have that much more of a connection because we've already had this experience together. Yeah, it's uh, the way I've worded it to people, John. 
because I, I share your enthusiasm about it. I mean, I wouldn't have been doing this every single week for almost eight years if I didn't yeah, think it was yeah. worth it. And it's, a, it's like a mini flywheel on your sales and marketing is how I view it. And so how many interviews have you got under your belt uh, now? I've lost track. Officially, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 or 600, okay. but I've done way more than that because I've published them on different podcasts. I'm estimating I've probably interviewed 1,200 to 1,400 people. That's that's amazing, man. Like, how do you even synthesize what you've learned? <laughs> was, oh, that's a great question. Oh, lately I've been reading about you know some of these new tools that are coming out, um, like Notion, and there's one called Obsidian that people use in order to capture their knowledge, you know, and kind of develop like a second brain because we all learn so much these days, you know, and there are mm -hmm. tools that are allowing us to capture that information if we can put it in a form that's usable. I haven't done any of that, so <laughs> I would love Likewise. to do that. Go I was like, right. I was like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, no, I'm not an expert in that at all. Um, you know, in fact, <laughs> there are many times that I've forgotten that I've interviewed people. You know, so there's so many people that have gone by. You know, but there's there's other times, many other times where you know I something clicks and I you know I interview someone new and I'm like, oh, this person really should meet this other person that I interviewed. Mm -hmm. And then I offer to make an introduction to both of them. They connect. And I've had people that have started businesses together. I've had people that have, you know, established incredible friendships. Um, you know, we, Jeremy, my business partner and I, we connected two guys who became amazing friends. Their families became friends. They went on vacations together. Eventually, one of them actually ended up moving to Puerto Rico and then and convinced the other one to move his family to Puerto Rico. I mean, we're talking about major life changes that have happened, right, right. you know, and, it, and they happen because of a deliberate effort to build relationships with people that you want to connect with, you know, and, 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 yeah. and that's, that's a really important point, you know, because there's there are some people that get into doing this and you know they end up interviewing just anyone under the sun they're not specific they're not deliberate about it they aren't not thoughtful about it and they end up kind of spinning their wheels and wasting their time and they give up after six months i think the reason that you've kept on doing it is because you've been deliberate and intentional about who do i really want to connect with and um you've continued doing it because of that because you've done made right choices uh i amen to that because uh case and point right here adhd i have lots of flashy objects lots of things i'm interested in and to funnel that energy john into one area has been very helpful for me because it's an actually i expend the energy that i would probably be messing a lot of other things up like because i would go out and do these activities no matter what i just am now there my energy is funneled and captured in part of a bigger flywheel so I want to explain kind of how I've thought about this and I'm curious on your journey and how you chose or how it happened for you. So like when I, I, I had my experience selling the business and it was my like therapy of trying to understand what it, what the hell had happened. So that's why I started and it was easy to keep pulling the thread because I was like, I just want to learn what happened to me. And so I kept pulling that. And then there was a business model that became that I should say now I have one. I went through essentially a couple iterations of a business model, John. But now, I mean, like everything has been tied to the same topic. And I'm curious, and we can unpack that more. And I know it has a lot to do with how you're helping people right now. I want to dive into that. But like you, when you had said that you started off as an attorney and you were interviewing a client, you could have done the same thing, which is had a podcast about like legal or some sort of topic that was, you know, to you, you being the thought leader of the legal field or whatever field that you're in and monetizing that way. What was, how did that all unfold that you ended up at Rise 25 and what you're doing now instead of 
being an attorney with a podcast? Well, it definitely evolved over time. Um, but what I like to say is that it's like personal and professional development, which doubles as content marketing. So, mm -hmm. you know, as you're doing this investigation, I think you and I are similar in that I love learning new information. I love, you know, I, I will go down all kinds of rabbit holes watching YouTube videos and reading blog posts and all kinds of different stuff. And you can spin your wheels a lot doing all that kind of stuff. But if you're also capturing, if in the process of doing that, you're capturing that and creating content marketing, which is what you're doing when you're interviewing mm -hmm. someone mm -hmm. on a topic and learning about that topic, you're, you're getting more mileage out of that time that you're devoting. You know, instead of, instead of spending hundreds of hours of a year educating yourself about all these different micro topics and it doesn't create any content marketing, you're also creating content marketing, which then brings people back to you and builds your brand, builds your business, all that kind of stuff. So that's really valuable. Um, but, you know, for me, I mean, some of my earliest interviews when I was still practicing law and I was just focused on that business, I just interviewed other attorneys in my local community. And I don't, I live in rather relatively small community. It's a couple hundred thousand people outside of San Francisco Bay Area. Um, the legal community is even smaller than that. And then even smaller than that was what I was doing, which was real estate and land use primarily. Eventually, mm -hmm. I gravitated into um, working with small businesses. And I, again, used the podcast each time in order to build more relationships. So I interviewed all kinds of – I started by interviewing other attorneys that were more seasoned than me, that have more years of experience than me. And even if they were competitors, what ended up happening is they were so indebted and grateful to me for featuring them in this episode on a podcast that what I found was in the weeks following, a lot of times these people would turn around and then they would get a referral to some business that wasn't a good fit for them and they would refer it to me. You know, so I'd end up getting all this kind of, you know, business from it. Over time, eventually, I, I took more interest in working with small businesses and entrepreneurs. And so I shifted my focus and I started, you know, I used that in order to interview attorneys that were working in that area and build relationships with them. Um, and then I started interviewing local businesses and I interviewed the local kind of like um, uh, independent baseball league team owner. And I interviewed the, this guy who had a had an ice small ice cream organic ice cream shop and um i almost i talked on the phone to the founder of lagunitas the beer chain and i'm a big fan of yeah. lagunitas beer <laughs> yeah yeah and i was supposed to interview him on my podcast and we just never like aligned up schedules and stuff like that oh, so bomber, man i want to know what's up with that like have you ever read the the thing around the label john <laughs> oh i know right well he designed all those himself <laughs> that's why I mean, that would have been so awesome yeah, <laughs> i know I, it, but what i regret is that i didn't push harder on that in the early days and the, what i what i say to people now is like take advantage of it now because the next wave of billionaires the next wave of huge like iconic richard branson's elon musk's you know interview them now so that when they're huge 10 years from now you've got a relationship with them because you helped them early on and i'm not exaggerating this is me and elon musk 12 years ago i met him at an event because i was a fan of his company before like a lot of people knew who elon musk was and i regret that i didn't push harder on that i didn't you know, say, hey, let's do an interview for a podcast after I met him at a, a physical live in-person event. So I say to people all the time, do it, do it now, you know, build those relationships. That will be your network in the future. I don't think that there's anything I can do for the listeners right now to stress what you just said enough, John. Like it's, it's been life-changing for me. Like in, in, I didn't know that at all, what, like what you just said. And I think that's the biggest, cause it's such a long game and yeah. it's in, in, Cause like you think that, Oh, I just want to be, I want like, I'm thinking I'm speaking out of myself here, but like, I want access to those people. 
and you're kind of forgetting about all the people who will eventually be those people when we're all that age or something like yeah. that. And and, and it's yeah. just slowly kind of happens. It, yeah. And a lot of times people are thinking like, I, I only want to interview Oprah Winfrey now. Well, it's like, well, that might be a little challenging, but you mm -hmm. know, you could interview someone who's going to be Oprah Winfrey in the future, you know, right. they're probably not, you know, building a TV show, they're building a TikTok channel or they're building an Instagram channel or they're becoming a big influencer or they have a business that's just tiny right now, but it's going to be huge one day. Right. It's, it's so true. So as with all these interviews, John, like what are some things that you've learned that have changed how you manage your life? So many things. I mean, so there's a guy named Kevin Thompson who um, he actually was a commercial fisherman, you know, kind of like the deadliest catch type of thing for many years. And um, he did that and decided it was too dangerous. He had a young family. He didn't want to do it anymore. So he needed to start something else. So he ended up getting – this is like 15 years ago or something like that uh, – getting into doing these um, – like a cleaning house cleaning type of business or um you know coming in i think it was carpet cleaning and then he moved from that to then educating carpet cleaners and he started doing these like these teleseminars back then mm -hmm. um and he would educate people and he so he's a kind of a one-to-many model um but he realized that the more effective way to do it was to reach out and and connect with people that had communities of people that were interested in these teleseminars, partner with them, and then do a teleseminar. These days, it's more a webinar or something mm -hmm. like that. I interviewed him about mm, 10 years ago, eight, eight, 10 years ago, maybe seven years ago, something like that. And it was such an aha moment because at the time, I was trying to do webinars, and I was struggling. I didn't have a large email list. I was building um, digital courses. And it was like an aha. I was like, well, I can do that. I can connect with people that have got other communities using my podcast. And so that's what I did. And so for many years, actually, my business was primarily using the podcast to get access and, and conversation with someone who'd be a great strategic partner of some sort, interviewing them. And then after that, talking about ways in which we could collaborate, primarily doing a webinar, either for my audience or for their audience. So a strategic partnership, a joint venture, that sort of thing. And I and and that that was one conversation on a podcast that changed the tra trajectory of my business. It led to me being able to phase out of practicing law and focus on doing more podcasts, creating more content marketing, which eventually evolved into what became Rise Twenty Five. But it was definitely, I mean, I look at that and I'm like, man, that was a real turning point because it was such an aha moment just talking to him. And that's just one example. There's dozens of examples of times where i've had conversations with people where it's just like aha and i you know have an idea i'm like i can definitely do that i can follow through on that it's uh you you said one word that really hit me it's access and and like so i think podcasting it completely shifted how people access other individuals and, and like because I, I grew up in sales john i mean like literally my job was to professionally interrupt people and and ruin <laughs> and ruin their day yeah. like yeah. hey by the way whatever you're right. doing let's that look was over the model, here right right yeah. and yeah and and then it was quickly build trust and so like however way possible whether it was lunches or cards or you know all that kind of stuff and i remember sitting on the beach in florida it was i was in fort lauderdale it was, it was 2015 and i listened to someone uh talking about podcasts and like yeah if you ask people like 90 percent of the people say yes and i was like what I've never had that happen in my life with sales. Like, yeah. sure, I'll talk to you. I'm like, what? And so it's just, it, it. when I think about, John, you said so many people don't do it. It's so fascinating to me because 
when we think about business and life, it's about building relationships, building trust, and then moving forward together. Why, what is the deal with people like, because every time I end up talking to people, they're like, if only I met this person or knew this, or you know what I mean? It's a, it's a yeah. lot of relationships that would change their life, but then they're not doing things that are yeah, potentially so going to get them there. There's a million different things that stop people. Uh, part of it is when people have been doing something a certain way for a little while, they're just not you know, eager to try something new. So people are reluctant to try something new. And, and generally, not to be ageist or anything, because I'm getting up there in age now, but I mean, you know, I, I think I find that people that are interested in starting a podcast, using it for networking purposes, they're really in like the age band of like 25 to around 50. After 50, generally people get into kind of they've things they've been doing things a certain way for a long time networking business development stuff like that and they're less likely to change that's over generalization but that does happen and you know there, there's so many things to stop people you know they're like there's there's psychological barriers there's technical barriers there's uh insecurities that people have that come out from from doing this like well, why would some so and so big shot in my industry be willing to talk to me there's uh, questions about what questions that I ask. Most of these are overcomable. You know, I talk to people, right. I'm like, you know, like, what questions are you gonna ask? You talk to people all day long. You're an expert. You've been doing this industry for X number of years. What makes you think that you're not gonna be able to ask questions? You'll be fine, you'll be great at it, you know? So there's just like a lot of different things. And, and then also, um, you know, creating podcasts today is, I say it's roughly where, um, you know, creating websites was about 20 years ago. You know, it was pre-Wix, pre-Squarespace, um, you know, on the verge of like WordPress coming along. It was a mess. It was really hard <laughs> to create a website back then. Yeah. And it still is now with, with um, podcasting. There are tools that are coming out. We're using Riverside here. There's Descript. There's stuff like that. It's still very overwhelming for people. There's no like one-stop shop, plug-and-play solution of a Wix or a Squarespace type of nature. That's what we're seeking to build for our our company to be the wix or the squarespace of b2b podcast oh that's awesome man yeah and i and, and, fully support you here man yeah <laughs> yeah, full, yeah full support yeah because i've been there i mean i know you know i mean i remember like 13 years ago trying to figure this stuff out watching a bunch of videos on youtube and reading things online and and even once i got it up and running after five years one year i didn't put out a single episode and and i was interviewing people that part i got but the problem was that I'd, I'd, I'd hired a guy to do editing. I had a crappy system set up, uh, you know, and I would send him an email with, uh, so, you know, something to record. <laughs> He'd email me back a week later and be like, that link didn't work. And then I'd forget about it. And then three weeks later, I'd be like, wait, have I published that episode? I don't even remember what I said on that episode. And then I'd have to like re-listen re to it. It was a total mess. And that was actually what happened was about five years into it, I, Jeremy, my business partner, and I had become business partners. We had a different business. And I was like, you're putting out 100 pieces of content a year on your podcast, and I am not putting out any. I'm doing something wrong. What did you put in place that's so much better? And, you know, and he, he, he's very modest about this, but, you know, he worked with one of the very early business podcasts in the mid-2000s, helped them put a lot of their systems and, and processes in place. Everyone that came after that, a lot of them modeled that stuff, including Tim Ferriss and some of the big business podcasters really like modeled a lot of the stuff that he innovated a long time ago. So he put that in place for me, and I went from putting out no episodes to putting out 52, one per week, 
the next year just far more effective. It probably took me less time because I stripped out the stuff that I shouldn't be doing and I focused on the things that I should be doing, which is where we started the conversation, which is having conversations with the people that I should be having conversations with. Pardon the interruption. I hope you're enjoying the conversation with John. If you're interested in podcasting as a strategy for sales and marketing for you and your company, what I would suggest is having the lens of what is your target equity valuation at a point in time and understanding how many clients and what kind of profitability and the different products and services that you need. And will podcasting enhance your strategy by getting you to your valuation faster or having a higher valuation or creating more leverage so you're reducing your cost structure in your sales and marketing department because of this strategy? And if that all makes sense, then you can start thinking about an actual strategy and how many people do you need to close using this strategy? Who should be your target people that you want to be interviewing? And what's the purpose of the podcast? If you want to dive further into the Intentional Growth Academy, you'll get more data on how to think about this with the case study that I show in principle for about projecting out the valuation of a company using the three financial statements. So you can start to think about the return on investment. Then you can layer on what John's talking about. There's a coupon code for 500 bucks off. So the do it yourself online Academy with the 10 hours and 72 videos is 995. And there's a link in the show notes below. And if you're interested, I highly recommend reaching out to John because don't try to do it all yourself. Trust me, find the people to help you augment the things that you're not good at. And then if you're the person behind the mic, get in front of the mic and build relationships and close more deals so you can get to your target equity valuation faster. Let's talk about for the listeners in here that, that what industries and type of businesses does podcasting apply to in your mind and what work like is there specific industries or business models and what what yeah. has worked and not worked in your uh, experience yeah so so we just focus on on b2b businesses it's it doesn't mean that it won't work for a b2c type of business like trader joe's started a podcast that uh, i think the rumor was they spent a million bucks on 10 episodes and then didn't do any episodes after that you know, it got attention because it was in the early days of podcasting. Um, there, there are plenty of B2C businesses that create podcasts these days, but they need to have really a long view. And the problem is, is if you're selling $5 widgets or whatever, you got to sell a lot of those in order to make Do up for it. You see people more in the, the business of consumer uh, default more towards like YouTube clips or shorts and, and reels and stuff like that, or like the social media stuff. They do. They, yeah, they do stuff like that. I mean, a lot of B2B businesses are doing that as well. So, you know, I, I know from my experience, well, one, I was a lawyer, so I used it for my law firm. So it'll work for, for you know, law firms, um, M&A, um, you know, IT services, um, uh, any kind of kind of consulting with the high client lifetime value. Um, digital agencies increasingly are doing it. Um, even, you know, many of our clients are digital agencies. You know, but they have different areas of expertise, like they're an SEO agency or they're a Google ad agency or they're a Facebook ad agency or something like that. And they, you know, they want to stay in their lane and kind of focus on their area of expertise and let us handle the rest. It's, so, yeah, I mean, like if you have a high client lifetime value, if a client is worth 50000 a 100000 $200,000 to your business, you don't need to get that many businesses, you know, new clients out of doing the podcast in order for it to be a huge home run for you. It is not unheard of. I have many clients that say that they can trace back multiple sudden figures of revenue to doing the podcast. And yet it's this simple thing that 
is they're already doing. This is the other point is that you're already having conversations with people all the time, whether you do a podcast or not, or you should be because you are talking to people, you're talking to clients, you're talking to referral partners, you're doing business development, you're attending conferences. So all you're doing when you do a podcast is you're redirecting some of that time to doing it for the purpose of a podcast. So it doesn't take any extra time if you do it right. It, I actually think it takes you less time because you get access to people that you wouldn't get access to otherwise or that it would take you years in order to actually get a conversation with them. So mm -hmm. I actually firmly believe that if you do it right, it saves you time. And all of those things are reasons why it works. Uh, amen. I agree. I mean, like I've been building my business. I'm the only biz dev person. I speak. I do podcasting. I do net news. I'm doing the uh, the training. I mean, like the, I'm all over the place only because of the podcast. I mean, so completely agree with you from my experience. When you're thinking, of, like, if someone's listening, because I, I let me let me uh, put put some context behind this, John. Is I read some, one of the things that drove me to to continue doing this is I wrote Joel. I think it's Joel Paluzzi's book, Killing Marketing, um, mm -hmm. like seven years ago or something like that. And he's it spoke to me. John, because he said something, there's a couple of things. It was take marketing and kill it out of your uh, overhead SGNA and actually make it a profit center. Mm. And I was like, huh? Hmm. He's like, make, make your marketing so valuable that people would pay for it. And he gave like Legos or Lifetime Fitness and a bunch of examples. And I was like, that I could get down with because I was so sick and tired of being a copier sales rep that no one wanted to talk to or an IT sales rep. And I was mm. like, I want to provide value. So that was one thing. But then um what is the like if that was why i did it because it was like okay i needed leverage but like if someone's listening in and they're trying to figure out who in my organization should do it is it the ceo is it the vp of sales is it marketing is it my technical engineer yeah so how do you like if you're if someone's thinking about this from a, like in part of a sales and marketing flywheel how would you like because you guys have a whole process yeah. on this how do you start unpacking that yeah that question it's, for people. it's funny because I always push back against people. I was talking to a couple of people yesterday. I push back when they say, we want to do this for marketing or talk to my director of marketing. We always start talking to the CEO or the owner of the business. We don't go directly to the marketing person because the marketing person views everything through a marketing lens. Well, you know, if you do a podcast and you have a conversation with someone that gives you as the owner or the CEO of the business, gives you an aha realization, an epiphany about your business that you wouldn't have gotten any other way. Well, is that marketing? No. Like it might be an idea about how to reorganize your sales department. It might be an idea about how you're going to get a great CEO or COO to, you know, to hire or how you should reorganize the way you do your finances or something like that. That's professional development. So the, the podcast is many, many different things at once. It doesn't fit into one neat little category of marketing. Yes, it is sales and marketing, but it's also personal professional development. It's also networking. It's also referral marketing. It's also strategic partnerships. It's also internal training. You can use it to train your team. Uh, it's recruiting. It's all of those different things. So I totally agree that it, it, it you can't just put it into this neat little bucket of marketing. Absolutely. So, so I, I, man, I would give so much money to hear you guys over the years try to shift that conversation because <laughs> of yeah. how people will probably sit on a meeting with you and they have all these preconceived notions. Oh, I'm going to hire John and they're going to like whip out this podcast and then it's going to be self-running while it just generates leads and I sit continue doing what I'm doing. How do you get people to understand that it's almost like the fact like, – the fabric of their organization. And, and here's why I'm thinking about this, John, is because like you just said, 
It's a peer inside the soul of the organization or whoever's talking. And like the number one thing that I have found from it, John, is like we're in this world where trust is at the lowest level, like I don't know, since the yeah. 1920s or whatever. <laughs> and yeah. like no one believes anything. There's too much information. And so people are looking to figure out who to trust and they need more substance to figure that out. So how do you help people figure out what use it's going to be for and how to calibrate their expectations for why they're going to go about doing it? Well, we we start by really understanding what are their big goals and objectives now because the podcast needs to serve you. You know, there's lots of people who come to me and have like some crazy idea about some concept that they're going to do for the podcast. And the problem is if you're too wedded to that, then the podcast won't serve you and your needs now, and you'll probably end up giving up on it. You know, we had a client a while back who, you know, said to us like, you know, my problem's not really top of the funnel. We have enough leads coming in. The problem's not really the the offering that actually works. The problem is the middle of the funnel, converting people in the middle of the funnel. And, and that was the challenge he was dealing with right then. And that's why he wasn't doing podcast interviews at the time. And I said, we need to focus on that. You know, so take a look on Amazon. Who's the world's leading expert who's written a book on converting leads in the middle of the funnel? That's exactly who you should start with. You should talk to someone like that and you should find out how you're going to break through this challenge in your business by talking directly to the source, which is something that was unheard of before. You have to pay thousands of dollars for that. Frequently, mm -hmm. people do a podcast interview. One, you're getting free advice by interviewing them, highlighting them. And many times then as out of gratitude, that person afterwards, like, we'll keep on talking to you or give you some additional advice or something like that. So, you know, th there are many different ways to use the podcast and it evolves and changes over time. So we start with what are your big goals and objectives, but you have to keep on checking in on this. You have to keep on thinking about it because mm -hmm. your your goals and objectives change. And and I actually, I eat our own dog food. I meet with our, we have a client success team and one of them meets with me on a weekly basis and is the most useful you, half an hour of my time each week because so frequently I'm taking a look and I'm thinking, okay, what, what am I focused on now? What do I need the most, right? And uh, oftentimes the people that I'm, you know, coming up interviewing maybe are not aligned with that, right? You know, so maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but, but it at least gives me an idea of, okay, here's who I should be reaching out to next. Or who's mm -hmm. a client, you know, who's a client that has been a really valued client that I haven't talked to in a while. They're still a client, or maybe they haven't been a client for a little while. Maybe I can get them back in, or maybe I can offer some value to them. Maybe they have a book coming out, and I can have I invite them onto my podcast so I can promote their book that's coming out. There's there's so many different ways to use it. So you have to kind of constantly be refreshing it and look going back to have a process for going back and figuring out like what's what's the next way I should focus uh, my podcast. Love it, and so there's so many ways to use it. I I love that, but and your goals and objectives are always evolving. So how do you make sure that this isn't a chaotic mess of you're just randomly picking people to keep the cadence? You know, because like I I'm guilty absolutely. Yeah. It's like okay every week, and then so you're kind of pulling people, and then if you're too busy, you kind of slightly fizzle out on like the quality and like so like how do you ref how do you make how do you guys go through and connect the podcast activities to the company goals and allow that evolution without letting it go out of out of hand? Yeah, I mean, well, one way of doing it, um, 
when I was practicing law, I had a piece of paper that was written next to my uh, computer. It's just off to the side. In fact, it's still on the wall over here where I wrote the names of all the incoming clients, the amount they were paying me, and who they were referred by. And the reason I did that was over time, I could see these repeating patterns. And you could see who is the most important person to my business. And from time to time, I would take a look at it and see like, oh, wow, like this person's referred this time, this time, this time. And there are many times that I reach back out to that person, you know, and say, reconnected with them or something, someone who's referred a bunch of business. Now we have a, a system and a process in our business where we have a, um, a referral partner meeting where one of our team members holds my business partner and I accountable. And we're, we're going through our, our list of referral partners and, and just kind of like refreshing our recollection. Okay, who do we need to be following up with? Who is, who's the most valuable person? And just like that process of going through those names will allow you to kind of remember, oh, wow, you, this person's referred three people recently. We should, we should do something else with them. Maybe we invite them on the podcast. Maybe we do something else. Maybe we reach out to see if they're going to be an upcoming conference and we can meet them face-to-face. -face. Maybe we make sure that we're sending them gifts in the mail because we have a gifting program that we send in the mail. And by the way, there's many other things that you can do on top of the podcast. I'm not saying that you do all of them because when I started, all I did was just the podcast. But it's kind of the backbone that allows you to do many additional things. So yeah, now we do a podcast interview. We take it. And, and first of all, it's a great way to be top of mind with your entire network. Because those people that you've interviewed will then, you know, follow you, connect with you on LinkedIn. They'll probably be on your email list if you have one, and they will follow you on whatever podcast player that they follow you on. So when you keep on putting out content, you're top of mind with all those people. So many times I, I bump into people at a conference or something like that, and they're like, oh, yeah, I just saw this episode that you put out or saw a little snippet that you shared on LinkedIn. But it starts again with that backbone of the podcast, which then you can push out in different, play, in different ways. Now we even take it and we utilize it in many other ways. So we use it for internal training. We have a physical paper and ink newsletter, retro, I know, that we send out and we take little snippets, little excerpts from the podcast interviews and we put that into the physical newsletter so it creates content for that so there's many other th ways you can do that and then you can use that to be top of mind with all these different people love it man absolutely love it and i i've very i know you guys have a bigger machine than i do and you guys because i think you and i have talked or i know i talked to Jer dr jeremy like i want to figure out how you guys can help enhance my machine but the when i think about all the applications for this gen for the listeners who are thinking about it what should be their expectations for time investment and like what they're trying to get out of it because my guess is you you my guess is your team has to do a lot of that synthesizing of their expectations what they're going to get out of it yeah. you know hey am i going to get a million downloads the first year like how do you how do you guys yeah. like what should someone be expecting for time ex expense yeah and return well first of all as far as downloads go who cares if you get 100 downloads or 100,000 downloads? What matters is, are you getting clients? Are you getting leads? Are you getting referrals? Are you getting strategic partnerships? Are you getting actual concrete results for your business? So we don't care about vanity metrics. We don't care about how many TikTok views you get. Thank you. Yes, we, Thank we care you. about actual <laughs> results. Thank you. That's what matters the most. So that's what we really focus on. And, and you know, sometimes it requires people to recalibrate on that idea of like, I got to get a ton of downloads. I know tons of people 
that have gotten a ton of downloads and then given up anyways because they weren't actually getting actual concrete results for their business. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking like millions of downloads and they put it on hold. They stopped because they haven't figured out a business model behind it. Mm -hmm. So what we're much more focused about is using it to build and deepen relationships. You know, that's what's most important. And, and you said the business model behind it. Dude, I just love that. Like, it's not just yeah. someone trying to get downloads for vanity metrics. I love exactly, it so much. Exactly. You know, and that's part of the reason that we don't take clients that have a brand new business that they're trying to figure out. You know, they haven't gotten a product market fit yet. They haven't figured out who they're serving or what their exact offering is. Because what will often happen is that they'll do it for six months and then they'll give up and they'll they'll think that the podcast is to blame but the real blame is that the business hasn't really been fully matured yet you know you need a more mm -hmm. mature business once you have that product market fit then the podcast can really help you to you know throw some fuel on the fire so to speak mm -hmm. the other mm -hmm. thing it, 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 is, it is amazing for is it's really a market research tool because it's an amazing tool in order to be able to talk to your clients or prospective clients and ask them about what their challenges are, what they're focused on, you know, what their, you know, what would be uh, an amazing solution for them. You can ask all these types of questions and it really, you know, many of our clients have said that it just gave them amazing insight into the way that their clients uh, think that it then allows them to, you know, do sales and marketing and to communicate mm -hmm. to their clients and, and really alter their offering in ways that are, are more compelling for their market. So, you know, all that's important. So love it. You got business. So necessary is a business model with a, a, a set of applications they want to use it for whatever they've figured that out. And then the downloads have to be tied to their expectations for their business model and for the return. So then when you, what are they? And I don't want to pin you down because I, my guess is you guys have all these very, varying range of services, but like if someone wants to do one podcast a week, what is the range of if the do it for you, maybe, and again, yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot for anything that you're not comfortable with, but I just want to help people think through like, because if they have a business model, if they got a clear vision and they got maybe says sales and marketing, like, is this something they should do? And hopefully we're helping people burst through those limiting beliefs. Like, is there any range you're yeah. willing to share? Sure. Yeah. So the, the first thing I would say is, look, we only work with B2B businesses where you've got a high client lifetime value. So, you know, you get, you know, 15,000, 30,000, 100,000, I don't care what it is, half a million, it doesn't matter. Um, as long as it's substantial enough that, you know, you get a couple of clients and it's going to be, you know, a big success for you. Yep. What you can expect to pay, you know, it's gone up a lot in recent years with inflation and everything, but it, it really depends on a number of different factors. So, you know, when I talk to people that are thinking about doing a podcast, the types of questions they ask are frequency, should I do audio versus video, mm -hmm. you know, should I be promoting it on all these other different channels and things like that. And oftentimes, I'm the one who's talking them out of doing all those other things, because it can get very expensive very quickly. What I'd much rather ha have happen is that people get in the habit and the discipline of focusing a lot of their business development in into the podcast. And they may be doing a bunch of other different things, which they can continue doing or they can put on pause. It de you know depends on their situation. But you know they really want to get that discipline, that habit in, pl in place. And generally, we, we recommend people that aim, aim for doing a weekly podcast because the reason is over the course of a year, even if you take some vacations, let's say you, you know, do 40, 50 interviews a year, whatever that number is, that number of conversations, if you're having the conversation with the right types of people, is going to really move the needle. You know, mm -hmm. some people talk about, well, I'm going to do a monthly podcast. Well, 
so then you 10 11 conversations over the course of a year that's much less likely you know what to I actually say to people john i'm like that's called a webinar <laughs> yeah exactly you know i mean like it's just it's less likely to have you know really move the needle for the business to have a substantial impact you know and then as far as costco i mean personally we've got clients that pay us over ten thousand dollars a month we've got clients that also pay us around a thousand dollars a month it really depends on what is include what they need and what they don't need and, and is, i always start there because there's I'm, I'm often talking them out of things yeah, which I love, by the way, and, and that is so – like if I would have had you, man, <laughs> you well, the other thing, I would have so many things. Yeah, the other thing I'll say is that we also also have to understand our own limitations, right? I realized after five years of doing it that I am not a good pr project manager at all. I shouldn't be the one who's taking all the different pieces and making sure that it's all put together. Once I got myself out of that process and I could really focus on – my superpower, which is having great conversations with people and, you know, focusing on the relationship mm -hmm. piece and got myself out of the way of the other stuff. That's when things really took off for me. So, for example, we've got many clients that just it is like pulling teeth to get them to email, text or call their own client base and invite them to be a guest on their podcast for whatever reason, much less reach out to others and invite them to be on their podcast, even though I can tell them all day long that it's not hard to do. They just won't do it. And so we built an offering where we can do that cold email for them, either to their existing client base or to prospective people that they don't know. That requires a lot of work to, and setup to do that kind of stuff. So I don't recommend it for everyone. But if it gets you into conversation with prospective clients, how valuable is that, right? And when you combine it with a podcast, with content marketing, it's so much more successful that most of the time, we have to limit the number of conversations they can have, you know, and they go from a challenge of, I can't get enough conversations with the type of people I want to be talking to, to I can't handle all of these conversations <laughs> that you're getting me. They don't know what to do with the follow-ups and like, how exactly, to, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, and I, I love it, John, because like what, what I heard out of that is, is you're, you're so focused on making sure the people are doing the consistent the repetitions right you're not I, the, what i was thinking about while you were telling the stories like it's like you don't go into the gym thinking you're gonna go run an iron man right like you're yeah. gonna go in there and like go for an hour every day yeah <laughs> then, mm -hmm. then, then you then you can build up and then what you're trying to do is eliminate the friction for the things that they don't like so they can keep on the path yeah i tell you, i think i don't remember it's charles duhigg's uh, power of habit that wrote about like if you want to get a you know a jogging habit put your your running shoes by the front door and in the morning just tell yourself that all i'm going to do is i'm going to lace up my tennis shoes put on the shoes and then tell yourself you're going to go for a two minute walk around the block or something like that of course you end up doing a lot more but when you just engage in that one little habit it it, it goes a lot further and so i'd say the same thing for people is like just send out five messages a week five messages a week to people inviting them to be a guest on the podcast just doing that one thing everything else will line up if you do all those other things if you do that one thing and that's why again why i say that the 30 minutes a week that i meet with our own team eating our own dog food them holding me accountable to send out those messages are the most valuable time that I, I spend probably in the business all week long. You know, if I think there's one word that I can continually, I keep going back to thinking about John, it's leverage, 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 leverage. And it'd be interesting. I know we're, uh, we're going to get short here on time is I'm thinking about where podcasting is going. Cause like, if I think about everything we just, you just were talking about, what's your alternative hiring actual salespeople, what's 
one to two years to figure out whether they work. That's a couple hundred grand and them tarnishing your reputation. I mean, what are the alternatives, right? And it's not binary like we were talking about, but like that's that's where the current state of podcasting is. But when I think about the things that I'm excited about, John, is the leverage with AI. I mean, like I have 374 transcribed hour to hour and a half conversations yeah. that I can have an AI brain. And that's yeah. just for content or you got training or whatever it is. Where do you see the future of podcasting going? Well, is that's, one, yeah, that's go for, for sure. That's exciting. You know, um, we recommend that people take a portion of their podcast interviews. It could be 10% and create what we call thought leadership episodes, which, which is where you are you're really sharing your own wisdom and expertise. And you're using your own media marketing channel, not just to promote other people, but to share resources that can accelerate your sales cycle and educate your internal team that can create internal training, you know, programs, stuff like that. Before my Jeremy and I started working together, I'd maybe done that three or four times because it's we, you, you get busy, you know, it's so hard to just, you know, turn on the microphone, you want to spend an hour and a half scripting it beforehand, pretty soon you run out of steam. So it's just really rare that it happens. Instead, what we do is we do a two way conversation. And you, when you do a two way conversation, you're much more likely to do it. We have professional interviewers that do it with our clients. And so now we actually have dozens and dozens of episodes that are two way conversations on different discrete topics. And mm -hmm. we've already started taking those pieces and then feeding them into AI tools that can then spit out all kinds of answers. And it can help with your customer support. It can help with answering frequently asked questions. It can help with your internal team. It can help with all these different things. But yeah, you're right. There's all that in knowledge that you've captured and that you know, thanks to new AI tools, you can utilize it in new and exciting ways. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's leverage. Like it, we, we had this conversation, so like, I'm going to end up sending this conversation to every single person that asked me about podcasting. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, imagine, <laughs> imagine if in addition to sending them the hour-long recording that they can listen to, imagine in the not-too-distant future, you could send them a link to an app or something, and you can say, I interviewed John Corcoran for my, you know, about podcasting on my podcast. Here, here's an AI bot you can ask him any question. So instead of listening to the entire thing, the AI bots trained on the hour-long conversation and they could ask me a question that they're curious about and get right to the answer, right? We're not that far off from that being a reality. Yeah, That's right, a reality like today. Like you, yeah. that can happen. Yeah. John, that is so awesome. Man, this has been a lot of fun. I Like, is there anything I haven't asked that I should? Um, I don't think so. You know, as far as, you know, B2B podcasting is concerned, I mean, I, I say to people that all, all the time – I hear from people all the time that have given me all kinds of excuses why they haven't gotten started from couldn't come up with a name to weren't sure what microphone to buy to weren't sure what software to use to not sure how I'm going to get guests to say yes. These are all common questions that we get from people. They're all overcomable. You know, the best thing you can do is just get started with this. You know, you, you will learn how to speak better. It can make you a better speaker. Um, it will grow your network over time. Um, you'll build and deepen relationships with existing relationships because reaching out to people that you are your current champions, your your current you know great clients are a great way to get introductions to other people because it makes it very easy for them to introduce you to other people. So there's so many great things that can come from it. I'm a huge advocate of the medium, and I tell people all the time they should do it. 
unfortunately there's just enough of a barrier now like we said you know it's like web web development was 20 years ago that there's there's still many people that don't want to do it or they think oh there's so many podcasts right now you know and so why you know how would i be different why would i start one it does none of that matters you would do it you are unique you would do it differently so i tell people all the time you know seriously consider it because it's such a benefit to your life you will be glad that you did it Amen, man. And it's like uh, the way what I was thinking about when you said this, just because someone else has a sales force doesn't mean you shouldn't have a sales force or just because someone has a website doesn't mean you shouldn't. Right. Exactly. It has nothing, has nothing right. to do with it. Right. Um, Every book that's ever been written has been written, written already. Right. You know, so why would you do <laughs> exactly. another book? Right. It's already been written, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, this has been a blast, man. Uh, what does the word intentional mean to you? I ask it because it's the name of the show and I love hearing people's responses. Mm, man intentional um for me it is um thinking through where you are where you should be going and how you're going to get there and taking the time to pause and think those things through in a, in a way in a quiet space where you're not distracted by the the day-to-day is kind of the, one of the best things you can do wow man i love it where can everybody find you at rise 25 reach out if they got questions about podcasting yeah, rise25.com, uh, John at rise25, uh, Jeremy at rise25, my business partner, or support at rise25, any of those will work. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You can connect with me there and happy to chat with anyone about podcasting. John, thank you so much for uh, the conversation. It's been a blast, man. Thank you, Ryan. I loved it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with John. And you probably learned a little bit about how I've been leveraging podcasting over the last eight years to continue to navigate my growth of Arcona, build our relationships with channel partners, attract more clients, get speaking gigs. I mean, it has been instrumental to everything that I've been doing and it has created leverage beyond belief that I could have never imagined and truly changed my life. But it's not for everybody and the lens that I hope everybody's thinking about this through is, what is your ideal customer journey and how does that ideal customer journey and the cost of attracting that, that client or that prospect and how does that impact your target valuation and your point in time? Because the whole goal is get to that valuation faster with the least amount of expenses and making sure that you're making the right investments that's gonna get you your ideal clients at the ideal profitability and get you in the ideal conversation so you can make the goal that you have identified actually come true. But don't just do it because it sounds fun and you're bored at work. I've talked to way too many people that have used a podcast as a distraction instead of a podcast as a means to get where they want to go faster, build the relationships, and build an asset that's going to keep all of their options down the road as open as possible because they've built something of value and they've got freedom and choices. So again, if this is something that's interesting to you, check out the Intentional Growth Academy so you can think more about what is the return that you need? What is your plan? If you're clear on your actual target equity valuation and your point in time, and you wanted more insights on your actual company financials, Arcona offers a complimentary financial assessment. All you have to do is schedule a discovery call with me and my team. We'll ask you some questions. And if you qualify, I'll lobby up over to my team where my team will tie in our dashboard to your financials, analyze it, and bring back to you our thoughts, observations, and a view of the dashboard so you have an idea and you could see your numbers in a way that you've probably never seen before. So I appreciate everybody for tuning in. I thank you so much for your support, and I will see you next week.